بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد Continuing with this series of remedying the heavy and tight chest from Ibn al-Qayyim Zad al-Ma'ad with the commentary of Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami. As is our usual practice, we'll have a quick recap of our previous lesson before commencing with today's lesson. So Ibn al-Qayyim, he talks about the person who is repentant towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He advances towards Allah. He enjoys worshipping Allah. He senses delight when he worships Allah. When does this type of person sense um, some degree of tightness in his chest? Good person, righteous person. He worships Allah and he enjoys worshipping Allah. He senses, senses pleasure in that. He's penitent, always returning back to Allah in repentance. When does this type of person experience tightness in his chest? Tafadl. When he encounters others that are negligent in, in, in worshipping Allah, when he sees others that are heedless, then what does uh, Ibn al-Qayyim say? What does it do to him? Irritates him. Uh, fever, he becomes feverish and he becomes agitated. What else did he say? No? Like an eyesore. Pain in the eye when he sees those type of people. Agitates him. Pain in the eye. When he sees it, sores his eye and he becomes disgusted when he sees those type of people. Just like many of us. We become disgusted when you come across some type of video clip of Muslims on Wimslow Road or Edgware Road. And they're partying after Ramadan. We become disgusted. People become disgusted when they see these things. And it hurts you when you see these things. But how can you be so negligent concerning your Lord when just in Ramadan, in the 30 days that have passed by, you are observant in fulfilling his rights? After that Ibn al-Qayyim He makes a mention of a symptom A symptom Of a person being A person having a tight and heavy chest And that's i'rad Turning away from Allah And having a heart that is attached to someone besides Allah And being negligent in remembering Allah And loving someone besides Allah Loving someone besides Allah. You have a permissible form of love. For example, if you have a, uh, a wife, you love her. A husband, you love him. Child, you love them. Wealth, a natural inclination towards wealth. You have that natural love of wealth. That's permissible. If it's the case that you love a certain person from those people that it's permitted for you to love but one of those people you love them because he's a righteous man a righteous woman 
Now, that is a profitable form of love that you have now. That's a form of love that you're actually rewarded for. You love a person, a person that is permitted for you to love. For example, a righteous person, an alim from the ulama of the deen. But you love him for the sake of Allah. Now that permitted form of love has turned into something that you're actually rewarded for. <clears throat> However, once this love that you have, either for your wealth or your wife or your child or, or status or a righteous person, once it hits a certain boundary, once it goes beyond a certain boundary, then it can become impermissible. Impermissible either. <coughs> that you end up preferring... <coughs> Excuse me. You end up preferring it over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, for example, you have love for wealth. Permitted for you to love wealth. Inclined towards wealth, that's natural. However, you have a business opportunity wherein you're going to have to take part in some type of interest. You end up preferring that business transaction, preferring your love for that over Allah. Now, love and inclination towards wealth has become impermissible. You can apply that to anything and everything else. Towards your wife, towards your child, towards honor and so on and so forth. When you end up giving that thing that you love precedence over Allah, then it becomes impermissible. But then there's another degree of when you start loving someone or something and that love that you have for that thing has two characteristics. When it has these two characteristics, then that love becomes shirk, polytheism. The thing that can eject a person outside of Islam. And that is when that love has khudur and tadallul. It has submission and debasement, submissiveness and debasement. When it's the case that your love is characterized with that, then it turns into that love which is meant to be an act of worship and therefore exclusively, exclusively for Allah. Once you direct it to others besides Allah, then that becomes shirk. But either of those two forms of love, either of those two impermissible forms of love, whether it's the love that is just impermissible but not shirk, such as you loving wealth over and above Allah at the expense of pleasing Allah, or it's the love that is shirk. When a person has that uzziba bihi, Ibn Qayyim, he said, he's tortured by it, and his heart becomes imprisoned by it. There is nobody upon the earth that is more wretched and more gloomy and more irritable than him. <coughs> Ibn Al-Qaim, he mentions a very, uh, or rather Sheikh Muhammad Aman Al-Jami, he passingly made a mention of a, a point, a very important point. That Ibn al-Qayyim makes a mention of in some of his books. Shaykh Muhammad al-Jami, he didn't quote the exact statement, but he made a mention of it in wording, uh, in meaning. And that is about why shirk is the greatest of crimes. Why is shirk the greatest of crimes? Why 
Does, uh, what does Ibn al-Qayyim say uh, about shirk being the greatest of crimes? Why is it the greatest of crimes? Anybody besides Adam? Anybody besides Shafiq? I'm looking for those that don't usually answer. Uh, you do answer, but no problem. Ascent. Shirk decreases the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And love of Allah is the ruh of a person's iman. The soul and the spirit, the essence of a person's iman. So when it's the case that that love is decreased, then, it, then it's like a dead body. If love is the ruh of iman, when the ruh is taken out, taken out, it's like a dead body. Your iman becomes what? Shakli, not haqiqi. It becomes superficial, not real. So for that reason, shirk is the greatest of crimes. Why? Because when a person associates partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he has divided his love for Allah to others, shared that love uh, between others. And love that's meant to be the ruh of iman. Once you share that ruh of iman and distribute it to others, you've taken away the essence, the soul of a person, of your own iman. And thus your iman is just shakli, superficial, it's not real. Ayyab. And we stopped at this point. So Shaykh Muhammad or rather uh, Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, he says, Love is of two types. Love is of two types. You have someone who directs his love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then you got another category of person. So concerning the first category, Imam Ibn Qayyim, he says, Mahabbah hiya jannatul dunya wa sururun nafs wa ladhatul qalb wa na'imul ruh wa ghidha'uha wa dawa'uha bal hayatuha wa qurratu aynihha wa hiya mahabbatullahi wahdahu bikullil qalb. وَانْجِذَابْ قَوَى الْمَيْلِ وَالْإِرَادَةِ وَالْمَحَبَّةِ كُلَّهَا إِلَيْهِ Love is of two types. One type of love is paradise. Paradise on earth. That's paradise on earth. What Ibn al-Qaim is about to say now, this is what you call paradise on earth. Some of us, we may have thought that paradise on earth is having a one-year what do you call it when you have to work? Sabbatical. Some of us think that having one year off work, annual leave, for a whole year, a career break, sabbatical, that's a paradise on earth. And then you go off uh, to some distant place like Maldives or the Bahamas or Hawaii or something like this. That's paradise on earth. That's not paradise on earth. This here is paradise on earth. Paradise on earth. It's something that brings about surur and nafs. Brings about happiness to a person's spirit. It brings delight to the heart. It brings about na'im al-ruh. Brings about bliss to the person's soul. This type of love is the ghidha of your soul. 
nourishment of the soul. If you don't have this, then you become weakened. Your soul becomes weakened. Just like your body becomes weak if it's not, if it's malnutritioned. Likewise, this type of love is the dawa of your, of your soul. It's the cure of your soul, the remedy for your soul, the medicine for your soul, Harith. Sah? It's a dawa of your soul, but rather it is indeed the life of your soul. It's the delight of your soul. It is loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of one's heart. What's paradise on earth? When somebody asks you, or someone says to you, you know, I'm, I just came back from a holiday, and it was paradise on earth. You say, no, my friend, you're wrong there. Paradise on earth is loving the one that gave you life and will inevitably give you death with all of your heart. It's drawing out the intensities of your inclinations, of your intents, of your love, drawing out those intensities and directing it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is paradise on earth. So concerning this Shaykh Muhammad Imam al-Jami, he says, من رزق, من رزق تلك المحبة دخل جنة الدنيا ورزق سرورا لا مثيل له ولذة القلب ونعيم الروح وغذاء الروح ودواء الروح فالحياة قلبه وقرة عينه وهي محبة الله وحده بكل القلب بهذا القيد بكل القلب بحيث لا تنقسم المحبة بينه وبين غيره so the one that is provided with this type of love that we described earlier, then he is the one that is in a paradise in this dunya. There is nothing that is comparable to it. Man ruziqa hadihi al-mahabba bi kulli qalbihi dakhala jannat al-dunya jannat al-dunya wa huwa fi al-dunya wa man dakhala jannat al-dunya insha'Allah yadkhul jannat al-akhirah bi tawfiq Allah ta'ala لِأَنَّ هَذِهِ عَلَامَةُ التَّوْفِيقِ The one that is, the one that enters into the Jannah of this dunya, he gets pleasure by worshipping Allah and he's in a state of bliss by worshipping Allah. The one that enters into a Jannah in this dunya, then inshaAllah, that type of person will enter into the Jannah of the afterlife. Why? Because you saying to yourself that, when I worship Allah, I'm in a state of paradise. It's like I'm in paradise. You feeling like that, that's an alama. It's a sign. It's an indication of tawfiq. It's an indication that Allah has granted you success. Whoever dies upon that state, then it's hope that he is upon good. Then Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami, he goes on to say, he says concerning this, he says, هذه المحبة وهي محبة الله وحده بكل القلب وانجذاب قوى الميل وقوى الإرادة وقوى المحبة كلها إلى الله سبحانه وتعالى بحيث لا يلتفت إلى سواه في السراء والضراء في كل لحظة فتسير الموجودات كلها فتسير الموجودات كلها كالجمادات إذ لا تنفع ولا تضر حقا لا فرق بين الجمادات وغيرها لِأَنَّ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ كُلَّهَا لَا تَضُرُّكَ إِلَّا بِمَا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكَ وَلَا تَنْفَعُكَ إِلَّا بِمَا كُتِبَ لَكَ إِذَنْ الْأَمَرُ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ When a person is like this, 
When a person, he loves Allah with all of his heart. This type of person, the creatures, everybody else, people, they become like inanimate objects. When a person, all of his love is just for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the creation become like inanimate objects. What does he mean by this? Meaning that he realizes that nothing can harm me, nothing can benefit me. Because a table is an inanimate object. Can this table harm you? Can this table benefit you? This microphone, can it benefit you, harm you? No, why not? Because it's, it's inanimate. It's not alive. Table can harm you. Somebody has to pick you up though, don't they? <laughs> as long as you're not there. <laughs> These things, they can't harm you in and of themselves. The one who's mahab, the one who loves Allah with all of his heart, he sees everybody else like the table, like the microphone, like the chair, inanimate things. Because these things can't harm you. But in a similar fashion, he realizes nobody else can harm me. Nobody else can benefit me. Why? Because the amr, it is in the hands of Allah. The command, the control, it's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's only to Allah that he turns to. Turns to. When he's in a state of adversity, when life is difficult, it's only that, that Allah he turns to when he's in a state of prosperity. Either of those two states, either of those two situations, in goodness and health, in sickness and in weakness, turns only to Allah Jalla wa Az. So this is one type of mahabbah. As for the second type of mahabbah, the second type of love, Ibn al-Qayyim says about it, Mahabbatun hiya adhab al-ruh. A love that is the torture of the soul. Wa ghammun nafs. Sadness to the spirit. Wa sijnu al-qalb. It's the prison of the heart. Wa dhiqu al-sadar. It's the tightness of the chest. Wa hiya sababu al-alam. Wa al-nakad. Wa al-ana. This love, this love is the cause of pain. This love is the cause of becoming bitter and irritated. This love is the, is the cause of becoming worn out and tired and weary. What is this type of love then? This love that is so... And he's so, uh, 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 it's not something that any of us would like to have, and not, a, not that type of condition that we would like to be in. What is this type of love? Because we don't want to have this type of love. We know that these are now the symptoms bitter, irritable, tired, weary. Huh? These, type of, these are the symptoms the heart being imprisoned, sadness of the spirit. These are the symptoms. But what is the actual thing? That brings about these symptoms. Loving someone or something besides Allah. Does that mean that you can't love your wife? Eh? Because Shafiq is shaking his head, no, otherwise I'll be in trouble. Hey, oh, you just a mahabba tabi'iyya, just a natural type of love. The love 
that you don't engage in at the expense of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala early in this pleasure. That would be haram, impermissible. And neither the other love, where you end up loving that thing, loving that person with khudur and tadallul, and thus it turns into shirk. So, what Ibn al-Qaim is referring to here is the impermissible form of love. Whether it is the impermissible form of love that isn't shirk, like for example, I love this business uh, that I'm involved in, even though it's got interest. So I love it and I end up giving precedence over it, over the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Impermissible, but not shirk. Or the love that is shirk, like loving somebody with khudu and tadallul. So that is, that, that is the type of love when a person has it in his heart, that his heart becomes imprisoned, his spirit becomes sad. He ends, his heart becomes diseased and ill and weary and tired and bitter. Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says, مَنْ أُبْتُلِيَ بِمَحَبَّةْ مَخْلُوقٍ مَا أَيًّا كَانْ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَكُنْ مِنْ بَابِ الْعِبَادَةِ لَكِنْ يُشْغِلُهُ عَنِ اللَّهِ عَنِ الْمَعْبُودِ سُجِنَ قَلْبُهُ وَضَاقَ صَدْرُهُ وَصِيقَتْ إِلَيْهِ الْآلَامِ وَالنَّكَدْ وَالْعَنَاء مِنْ كُلِّ فَجٍ وَيَعِيشُ فِي ضِيقٍ So Shaykh Muhammad Awan al-Jami is saying the same thing that we just said. That the one that is put to trial, it's a trial, it's a musibah, it's a calamity. That the one who is put to trial by loving another created being, regardless of who and what that created being is, even if the love that you have for that thing, for that person, isn't the worship type of love. The love that has khudu and tadallul. But that thing that you love, it preoccupies you away from Allah. Preoccupies you away from your true deity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And your heart becomes imprisoned. And your chest becomes tight. And all forms of pain, they come towards your heart they come driving towards your heart likewise bitterness likewise weariness all of them they come towards your heart like imam ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah he says in another place that allah subhanahu he has created the sons of adam and he has given us a state of kamal a state of kamal a state of perfection Completion. He's given every single organ of ours, every single faculty of ours, whether it's the faculty of the organ of the eyes, the organ of the tongue, the organ of the limbs. He's given every single organ a state of kamal, a state of perfection, a state of completion. But now whenever one of those organs loses its kamal, loses its perfection for what it was created for then you end up experiencing discomfort you end up sensing some degree of pain and discomfort and and uneasiness so for example the eye the eye has been created in order to see once the eye weakens in its ability to see or even loses its ability to see, then we say that it's lost its kamal, it's lost its perfection, it's lost its completion. 
And thus the person becomes agitated, feels discomfort. Why? Because the eye, the perfection, the kamal of the eye is in its ability to be able to see. And if it can't fulfill that purpose for which it was created, then the possessor of the eye, meaning the human being, he becomes uh, touched with discomfort. Likewise, the hearing has been, or the ear, has been created in order to, to listen and to hear. Once the organ of the ear loses the thing for which it was created, which is its ability to hear, to listen, and we say that the ear has lost its kamal, lost its perfection, lost its completion. And thus you become agitated. The tongue. What was the tongue made for? What was the tongue? Taste? Sometimes I taste, sometimes I eat a meal. I can't taste it, but I enjoy it. But yeah, okay, talking. Yeah, talking. That's one of the main things. That is what Ibn al-Qaymi says. The tongue, it has been created in order to speak, in order to pronounce, in order to communicate. Once the tongue loses, the thing for which it was created, which is to be able to speak and communicate and pronounce and utter, then it loses its kamal, it loses its perfection, it loses its completion, and thus you become agitated. Imagine not being able to speak. Sometimes you become tongue-twisted and you feel agitated. Imagine permanently not, not being able to speak. You become agitated. So then Ibn al-Qaim, he says that the king of all organs the main of all the organs the head of all the organs which is the heart you're going to say heart no you're going to say something else you're going to say the brain eh? ibn al-qaim he says that when the king of all organs which is the heart when it loses the purpose for which it was created then it loses its perfection. It loses its completion. It loses its kamal. And the heart has been created for what? The heart, he said, has been created in order to recognize its maker. The heart has been created in order to establish the tawheed of his maker, of its maker. The heart has been created in order to love its maker. In order to yearn and hope in his maker. The heart has been created in order to fear and have dread and have apprehension concerning his maker. The heart has been created to make dhikr, to make mention and to remember its maker. The heart has been created in order to love for its maker, hate for its maker. Give for its maker. Withhold for its maker. So when the heart loses this, this state of being, of remembering and making dhikr of its maker, then the heart loses its, its kamal, loses its perfection. And thus the possessor of the heart, meaning you the human being, you become agonized. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, then at that point, alam, pains, agonies, they come 
assailing upon the heart from all directions, establishing themselves upon the heart. Grief, sorrow, anxiety, sadness, these illnesses of the heart come and attack your heart at that point. When it's the case that the heart loses its kamal. When the heart loses its kamal. So this is what the shaykh here is referring to. So Shaykh Muhammad Ma'ana Jami, he says, so then how do we cure this illness of the heart? How do we cure these illnesses of the heart? He says, وَأَمْرَابُ الْقَلْبِ عِلَاجُهَا nabawi." Curing the heart is via a tib al-nabawi. The prophetic medicine. Medicine from the Prophet alayhi salatu was salam. Doctors. They. Just by that profession of them having studied medicine. Can't cure. These illnesses. Perhaps they themselves are sick themselves. Yani by way of medical knowledge, can you not cure these illnesses of the heart? Or rather you have to combine it with another form of medicine. And that is a tib and nabawi. Medicine of the Prophet. But which type of medicine of the Prophet? Not referring to the physiological medicine or the yani if you eat these type of foods then this is how your heart will become relaxed no those things as we've mentioned before they do have a uh, space they do have room but what here Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami is saying concerning At-Tib al-Nabawi what he is referring to is ishtaghil bi dhikrillah become busy in making dhikr of Allah Become preoccupied in remembering and mentioning Allah. You need to give importance, the Shaykh says, to the books of Adhkar. Books of Adhkar. What's Adhkar? What's books of Adhkar, uh, Muhammad? Books of Adhkar. What are they? Books of Adhkar. What about you, Isa? Duas, remembrances, supplications. Those books in which it says, when you enter the masjid, say this dua. When you exit the masjid, say this dua. When you enter the vehicle, say this dua. And so on and so forth. Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami makes a mention of few that are available in Arabic. Al-Adhkar of Imam al-Nawawi. Al-Wabil al-Sayyib of Imam ibn al-Qayyim. Al-Kalim al-Tayyib and Sahih. Al-Kalim al-Tayyib of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani respectively. Yani Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin, he did the verification of that. So you get those books of adhkar like you have in English, Fortress of a Muslim. Get those books of adhkar and you go to the contents. And you learn, what do I do when I enter the masjid? What do I do when I am angry? What do I do when I, uh, when I come out of the house? When I enter the house? And so on and so forth. So Sheikh Muhammad al Jami, he's saying that there. Is the cure for those illnesses of the heart that we mentioned before. Anxiety, grief, sadness, distress, and so on and so forth. Yes, there are other physical um, 
cures, they don't carry the same weight that these cures do. These are the main and primary cures. And then you look at those other ones as well. But these are the main cures. And thus, Sheikh Muhammad Man al Jami, he says, Jarrib, try it out. Experience it, test it out. These, uh, 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 these uh, forms of curing, and thus try it out and do it and practice it and observe it up until you find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He alleviates your chest. He says uh, concerning these books, These books, you should read them. These books contain the virtue of making dhikr. They contain the excellence and the superiority of making dhikr. So that you don't end up forgetting Allah. Why? Because if you end up forgetting Allah, you're going to destroy yourself. And then you're going to be faced with those pains and those agonies of the heart. So thereafter, Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he made, some, made a mention of the cure for the illnesses of the heart and he said that the cure is a dhikr and the next means and the next avenue and the next cause that Ibn al-Qayyim states as a way to remedy tightness of the chest is dhikr itself so, so far we've been through several asbab several means several causes by which we can bring about that lightness to the chest Relaxation to the chest. Tawheed, Huda, Ilm, Nur of Iman, Inabah, turning to Allah in repentance, uh, loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, advancing towards Allah jalla wa az. Now Ibn al-Qayyim, he makes a mention of another means by which the chest is alleviated. He says, وَمِنْ أَسْبَابِ شَرْحِ sadr دوام ذكره على كل حال وفي كل موطن فللذكر تأثير عجيب في انشراح الصدر ونعيم القلب وللغفلة تأثير عجيب في ضيقه وحبسه وعذابه Ibn al-Qaim he says that among the things that bring about relaxation to the chest is being continual in making dhikr of Allah in every condition in every place because dhikr has an amazing effect in relaxing the chest in bringing bliss to the heart however ghafla being heedless has an amazing effect as well but it has an amazing effect in tightening the chest confining and imprisoning the chest and torturing the chest so concerning this, Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says that the one, this is easy. This is easy. Making dhikr of Allah, it's easy, not difficult. For the one that Allah makes it easy for. Physically, it's easy, isn't it? How difficult is it to say, La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, astaghfirullah, wa atubu ilayh. Physically, is it difficult? Okay. How many people exist upon the earth today? Is it? Last time uh, I heard it was 6.4 billion. It has increased. Okay. We've got quite a few people upon the earth. 
in the billions. How many of them are able to make these adhkar? How many of them make these adhkar? Just from amongst those who are Muslim. How many of them engage in this dhikr? Is it difficult? Not difficult. You can do it regardless of where you are. Regardless of what your physical condition is. It's only a tongue that you're using. Not difficult at all. How many of them do so? Why? Because it's only when Allah grants you tawfiq. It's only when Allah makes it easy for you that you're able to make the dhikr of Allah. But physically it's easy. Physically, this is easy. So Shaykh Muhammad Iman al-Jami says that make adhkar when you go to sleep, when you wake up, when you enter the house, when you enter the masjid, when you leave the masjid, and so on and so forth. Those adhkar al-muqayyidah, those specific adhkar, specific adhkar, like when you enter the masjid, exit the masjid. Likewise, making adhkar with tahleel and tasbih and istighfar, Saying La ilaha illallah, saying Subhanallah, saying Astaghfirullah. Likewise, sending salah and salam, peace and salutations upon Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu salam. Doing this in abundance, that is also dhikr a person should engage in. What is the best form of, form of dhikr? What is the best and the most virtuous form? Of dhikr, and I want the answer to come from my right hand side. Not this right hand side, the far right. Not the far right as in the political far right. Far right, the physical far right. Yes, my brother. Ahsan barakallahu feek. Qira'a al Quran. Reciting the Quran. That is the best form of a dhikr. Obviously, when you have those specific states specific circumstances, specific situations, then you have specific adhkar for them. For example, when you're in your salah, when you're going to ruku', you have a specific adhkar. When you're going to sujood, specific. So there are specific adhkar, but generally, the best type of dhikr and the best form of dhikr is reciting the Qur'an. However, Shaykh Muhammad Amman al-Jami, he says, بِتَعَقُّلٍ وَتَدَبُّرٍ a person recites the Qur'an, that's the best form of dhikr. But understanding it, pondering over it, and trying to act upon it, and making da'wah towards it. He says, Jarrib, experience it, do it. Up until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you experience uns, closeness, closeness in being with him as a result of making dhikr. That dhikr is a means and from the greatest and most powerful of means of bringing about alleviation to the chest. In this statement that Ibn al-Qayyim makes, there are two parts. He says that making dhikr and being continuous in that regard, in all states, in all conditions, at all times, that is something that relaxes the chest. And then there's a second part, where he says that being ghafil, being heedless and absent-minded, has an amazing effect in tightening and imprisoning and torturing the chest. So he says, Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, فَإِذَا تَرَكْتَ ذِكْرَهُ شَغَلَكَ شَاغِلْ وَجَدْتَ وَحْشَةً فِي نَفْسِكَ 
If it's the case that you end up abandoning making dhikr of Allah and some preoccupier preoccupies you, some hinderer hin, uh, hinders you, something that causes you, causes, you, causes you to become busy makes you become busy. A dunyawi matter, a person, some materialistic matter for example. When that happens, then what's going to happen to you? You're going to find wahsha. You're going to find that you're in a state of loneliness. لا تستأنس إلا عين تذكر الله بالأذكار المشروعة You're not going to find any type of comfort. You're not going to find any type of company. Except when you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the adhkar al-mashru'a. With the legislated adhkar. Al-ghafla anillah. Naam. Al-ghafla anillah taqaddamat al-ishara ila. Naam. Ila tilka al-asbab. Asbab al-ghafla. Al-ta'alluq bighayrillah. Wal-inshigal bighayrillah. Wa'adam al-inshigal bita'allum shari'illah wal-amal bihi. Wal-inshigal bijam'il mal fi kulli waqtin. حَتَّى يَنْصَرِفُ إِلَى ذَلِكَ إِنْصِرَافٍ كُلِّيًّا What are the causes? What are the means that make a person become غافل? What's the thing that makes you become absent-minded and heedless? The thing that makes you become absent-minded and heedless is your heart being attached to someone or something besides Allah. Is you turning away from learning your deen? Is you being attached to money to wealth, to materialistic things with an absolute attachment so that it takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala absolutely now. Draws you away from your Lord absolutely. That is the thing that brings about ghafla. That is the thing that brings about being, being heedless. طيب. So that is an avenue that Shaykh, uh, that, Muhammad, uh, that Imam Ibn Qayyim makes a mention of. The next one that he makes a mention of is Ihsan. So, so far we've covered Tawheed, Huda, Nur of Iman, Inaba, turning to Allah in repentance. Huh? What else? Ilm, knowledge, Mahabba of Allah, Dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these are methods. All of these are avenues that you can adopt in order to Relax your life. There's another one that he makes a mention of. He says among them, among the causes that bring about relaxation is Ihsan ila al-khalq. Having Ihsan towards creation. Kindness towards creation. Gener generosity towards creation. Benevolence towards others. وَنَفْعُهُمْ بِمَا يُمْكِنُهُ بِمَا يُمْكِنُهُ مِنَ الْمَالِ وَالْجَاهِ وَالنَّفْعِ بِالْبَدَنِ وَأَنْوَاعُ الْإِحْسَانِ Helping other people, being generous towards other people as much as you are able, benefiting other people as much as you are able whether it's financially, whether it's via your status perhaps you have some type of status and via that status you can help somebody out for example, if you're a prince, uh, although I doubt anybody is a prince here, if you are, let me know. <laughs> a prince, for example, he may be able to intercede on your behalf in order for you to get something that you need to get. 
So that prince there, him helping somebody out because of his jah, his position, his status, that's ihsan. That's niceness and kindness and generosity towards khalq, towards creation. Or physically helping somebody out. Physically helping somebody out with your, with your body. A brother has moved, for example, from Bolton to a town called Nelson, for example. So then you help him out physically by getting his sofa and his bed and putting it in the, in the HGV down to good old Nelson. <laughs> All of these, ya ikhwan, there are different forms of ihsan, of generosity. Generosity isn't restricted and, ref and limited to wealth. No, whatever you are able. Whether it's wealth, or your position, your status, or whether physically helping somebody out. فَإِنَّ الْكَرِيمَ الْمُحْسِنَ فَإِنَّ الْكَرِيمَ الْمُحْسِنَ أَشْرَحُ النَّاسِ صَدْرًا وَأَطْيَبُهُمْ نَفْسًا وَأَنْعَمُهُمْ قَلْبًا Because the Kareem Al-Muhsin, the one that is generous, and the one that is kind and benevolent, he has, he has the what? The most relaxed form of chest. The one that is doing what? The one that is eh, spending from his own pocket on others. This type of person, he has the most relaxed form of chest. And he is the one that has the most pleasant spirit. Most pleasant spirit. Easy going, nice person, nice person. Easy going, relaxed. قَلْبًا huh? Likewise, he has the most yeah, a delightful heart. People would think the opposite. A man, he is spending from his wallet on his Muslim brothers and sisters and sons, spending here. And you'd think this person is not going to be happy. Why? Because you'd think his wallet is empty. As Allah's Messenger said, Charity doesn't de decrease any wealth, charity increases your wealth, in fact. That's a different subject. The point is, is that the one who gives in charity is charitable. Whether it's via financially, whether it's physically, whether it's because of his position, whether it's because of his, by way of his interaction. Isn't it the case that smiling in your Muslim brother is charity? Smiling in the face of your Muslim brother, that's charity as well. You find some people, he's not going to smile in your face. He's not going to have, he's not going to be nice at all. When is he going to be nice? When he needs something from you. When he needs something from you, all of a sudden. okay. When he doesn't need you, doesn't know you at all. That type of person, he's living a bitter life, as Ibn Qayyim he says later on. That type of person keeps all that money tight inside of his wallet, big fat wad. He's living a bitter life. That type of person, I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna bother seeing these brothers, smile at them, and say hi. No, I'm, forget that. If I need something, then I'll go to them. That type of person, bitter, stingy with his wealth, stingy with his position and status, stingy in helping others physically. It's from the Sunnah of Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. Person says, you know what, Akhi, uh, uh, I'm a religious person, and I've got studies to do. And I need to study and memorize, so I've got no time for any ihsan. I've got no time for any goodness. La, ya Abdullah. That is not from the sunnah of Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. That is you implementing your ilm. That is you 
fulfilling you, carrying out the ilm that you've obtained. You physically help somebody if you need to. Because when you're physically helping them out, that is an act of ibadah. That's the whole point of ilm. Ilm is not just gathering data. Rather, ilm is to act upon it. How long has it been so far now? 50, yeah? Eh? We'll uh, stop at this point. Uh, and then next week, inshallah ta'ala, we'll see what Ibn al-Qayyim and Shaykh Muhammad al Jami have to say about these two types of people. The muhsin and the bakhil. The generous person, the tight-fisted, stingy person. Misery person. Hey, Bikhwan, so uh, inshallah ta'ala, we'll con- conclude at this point and continue next week. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.